Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be looking at the death and final years of movie star Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy is often referred to as one of the greatest actors of all time, and it is not hard to see why. One of the major stars of Hollywood's golden age, he had a certain acting style that seemed natural, and he exhibited such versatility. Throughout his career, he made 75 films and won two consecutive Academy Awards, one for Captain's Courageous in 1937 and one for Boystown Town in 1938. Not only that, but he and Laurence Olivier are tied for the most Oscar nominations with a whopping nine nominations. Many of his films are regarded as classics of American cinema, and to this day, he receives praise from film scholars. However, he led a turbulent personal life. Spence was a lifelong alcoholic, which got him into trouble on occasion. He also was prone to bouts of anxiety and depression, as well as diabetes and insomnia, for which he relied on barbiturates and dexedrine. His son John was born deaf, something he felt lifelong guilt over. His wife Louise started the John Tracy Clinic at University of Southern California because of their son. And of course, his affairs were numerous. Spence and Louise were married in 1923, and they stayed married until his death. They barely lived together, though. Spence had affairs with many actresses, such as Joan Crawford, Ingrid Bergman, Loretta Young, and Judy Garland. However, he met Katherine Hepburn in 1941 while working on the movie Woman of the Year. They developed a romance that lasted the rest of Spence's life. Even though they were estranged, Louise and Spencer never pursued divorce and remained friends. Spence told Joan Fontaine, I can get a divorce whenever I want to, but my wife and Kate like things the way they are. Louise stated at one point, I will be Mrs. Spencer Tracy until the day I die. Catherine Hepburn never fought for marriage or sought to end Spence and Louise's. In the early 1960s, Spencer Tracy began a partnership with director Stanley Kramer and they made four films together, some of the best of Spence's career. The first movies they made together were Judgment at Nuremberg and Inherit the Wind. However, after years of smoking, drinking, taking pills, and being overweight, Spence's health started to decline. In 1962, Kramer cast Spencer Tracy in the all-star comedy It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. In the film, Spence was to play a scheming detective and would receive top billing. Already in the cast were comedians such as Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Jonathan Winters, and Dick Shawn. Spence was initially hesitant to taking on the role, saying he would have felt out of place with such a cast. However, he accepted the role. Buddy Hackett, who had a role in the movie, said that nobody knew how ill Spence initially was. The first day of shooting, he showed up late, much to the cast's chagrin. The next day, they found out he was ill. For the movie, Tracy wore no makeup, which did not help his frail appearance. Also hindering him were bladder issues, chronic sleepiness, and at one point he broke down on the set over the recent death of Marilyn Monroe. If you have ever seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which incidentally is one of my personal favorite movies, you will know that it is a very physical movie. There is a scene of Spence running through back alleys. Even with a stunt double, these were strenuous scenes for him to film. Despite this, Stanley Kramer observed that Spence had a great time filming the movie. He filmed his role in nine days. After filming of Mad World completed, Tracy and Katherine Hepburn lived together for the first time in their relationship, which at that point had lasted 22 years. They stayed at a house in Malibu. 
On July 21, 1963, Spence began having trouble breathing. Kate was certain he was having a heart attack and called a nearby fire station. When they arrived, they said he was ashen gray and his breathing extremely labored. Kate held his hand in an attempt to calm him down. Oxygen was administered to him and a doctor who happened to live nearby gave him an injection. Kate told authorities they were about to go on a picnic. Tracy, who was starting to feel better, said it was a hell of a way to spend a picnic. An ambulance arrived, followed by Tracy's personal physician at the time, Dr. Carl Lewis. Spence refused to lie down and walked himself to the ambulance. Accompanied by his brother Carol, he was taken to St. Vincent's Hospital. Dr. Lewis made a statement that night saying he had some congestion in the lungs and developed shortness of breath. His wife Louise visited him in the hospital and said that he was expected to make a full recovery. Two days after his hospitalization, Dr. Lewis said he had suffered a pulmonary edema, which is when the heart does not pump properly and causes fluid to build up in the lungs. After 12 days, Spence was discharged and he went back to his home in St. Ives, where Kate took up residence as well. A new phone line was installed for her personal use so that the original could be Spence's direct line to Louise. Hepburn effectively put her career on hiatus to take care of Spence. She cooked his meals, coordinated his medicine, scheduled his guests, and did housework. Kate even turned down some film roles, saying she would not accept them unless Spence was in them as well. By 1965, he was in terrible shape. There would be some days where Kate would take his temperature every hour. On September 4th of that year, Tracy went to Good Samaritan Hospital for routine prostate surgery. For the next 10 days, he was in decent health. Louise and Kate both visited regularly, though Spence's brother Carol monitored when they arrived and left, often finding a place in the lobby to make sure no awkward encounters occurred. On the morning of September 14th, Spence went into shock and his kidneys began to fail. His doctor, Dr. Mitchell Koval, said that it was caused by lactic acidosis, which is when the chemicals in the body go haywire because the kidneys aren't working correctly. Spence was placed on a respirator. Late the next day, he went into a coma. He was not expected to live. All of a sudden, Tracy got better. Dr. Koval described the recovery as a kind of miracle. By the 17th, Spence became more responsive and he was taken off the respirator on the 20th. He was discharged on the 28th. Dr. Koval lived only a few minutes away from Spence's house and came to see him most days. If you're like me and you wanted to start a podcast, but were not very tech-savvy, you wouldn't have known what to do. Then I heard about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. At one point, Spencer Tracy was offered the role of the Penguin in the upcoming Batman television series. He said he would only take the part if he got to kill Batman. By mid-1966, neither Tracy nor Hepburn had made any films in the past few years. But around that time, Stanley Kramer pitched an idea to both of them. He and It's a Mad, 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 Mad World writer Bill Rose had written a script for a movie about a young woman who brings home her African-American fiancé to her parents for the first time. The film was intentionally scripted to debunk ethnic stereotypes. At the time, there were several states where interracial marriage was illegal. 
It was to be called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Kramer offered Kate and Spence the roles of the two parents, and Sidney Poitier, who at the time was a major box office draw and had an Oscar under his belt, was offered the role of the fiancé. All three felt very strongly about the project and accepted the roles before they even read the script. Also, Hepburn's niece, Catherine Houghton, was cast as the young daughter. The screenplay for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and the production schedule were being worked out in early 1967. But on February 19th, Spence suffered another pulmonary edema. According to Dr. Coville, he had been going off his regular diet and was taking more salt. The rescue squad was called and they intravenously treated him with morphine. He was back to normal. Spence was in such poor health at the time and studio insurance could not be brought for him. If Spence was unable to complete the film because of physical condition or failure or refusal to perform, he would not be compensated unless the picture was released containing the finished results from his services. It was a desperate situation. To pay for it, Kate and Stanley Kramer put up their own salaries for the movie. There was also the matter of billing. Spence would be billed first above the title, but for the first time in their nine movies together, Kate's name would not be next to his. Instead, Sidney Poitier's name would come second. Out of respect for Spence, Poitier ceded first position to him, but he held firm to receiving second billing. Filming for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner began on March 20th. The filming schedule was altered because of Spencer's health. All of his scenes were filmed between 9 a.m. and noon each day to allow him an adequate amount of rest for the remainder of the day. Not only that, but the cast was given two scripts to work with, one with Spence and one without. During an interview during production, he said that this would be his last movie. Spence stated that it wasn't for health reasons, but that he felt he was too old to go on. Spence was most concerned about what would be the climactic scene towards the end of the movie where he addresses his family as well as Poitier's family. With stage directions, the speech took up five single-spaced pages of the script. Spence labored hard over it, practicing it numerous times. At one point, he had an anxiety attack over it just a few days before the scene was to be filmed. To film the scene, Spence worked a full day, the only day during the production when he did so. During the scene, Kate can be seen in the background crying. They were real tears. She knew how gravely ill Spence was. At the end of that day's shooting, Tracy said to Kramer, You know, kiddo, if I die on the way home tonight, you are all right. You can release the picture because my scenes are finished and you don't need me for these last three days. Production for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner ended on May 24th. During the couple weeks after production wrapped, Spence's anxiety attacks were occurring more frequently. On June 8th, Dr. Koval considered taking Spence to the hospital, but he didn't want to go. In the doctor's notes for that day, he wrote, We'll wait. At about 3 a.m. on June 10th, 1967, Kate woke up to the sound of Spence shuffling down the hall towards the kitchen. He was getting up to make himself a cup of tea. Kate got out of bed to go assist him when suddenly she heard the sound of a cup shattering and then a loud clump. She ran to the kitchen and found Spence dead on the floor. He had suffered a heart attack. Spence's family and Dr. Koval were called immediately. MGM publicist Howard Strickling told the media that Spence had been alone and was found by his housekeeper. Out of respect for the family, Catherine Hepburn did not attend the funeral, which was held on June 10th at the Immaculate Heart of Mary Catholic Church. Stanley Kramer, George Cukor, Frank Sinatra, Jimmy Stewart, and John Ford all served as pallbearers. 
Also in attendance were Gregory Peck, Robert Mitchum, and Walter Winchell. He was buried at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale in a small private corner very close to where Walt Disney is buried. Spencer's brother Carol was deeply saddened without his brother. He suffered an even greater blow later that year when his wife died suddenly on Christmas morning. Spence's wife Louise continued to serve as head of the John Tracy Clinic, but she resigned in 1974 as her mental capacity began to diminish. Eventually, she required 24-hour nursing care, having suffered a stroke and arteriosclerosis. She died in 1983 at the age of 87. Catherine Hepburn died on June 29, 2003 at the age of 96, though her death might be a story for another day. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner premiered in December of 1967 and was a box office hit all over the country. Spencer Tracy's performance in particular was given high praise. The film was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, and Spence was given a posthumous nomination for Best Actor. His family attended the Oscar ceremony in April 1968, and Louise planned to go to the podium and accept on his behalf if he won. Kate won the Best Actress Oscar that night, but Spence did not. He lost to Rod Steiger for In the Heat of the Night, which also co-starred Sidney Poitier. Today, Spencer Tracy is most well-known for his decades-long relationship with Katharine Hepburn. This is a shame because he was an enormous talent. Spence was one of a kind, and there has never been an actor like him. His influence will be seen for many years to come. Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to subscribe. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. If possible, leave me a review. If you have any requests for somebody you would like to see talked about on this podcast, let me know and I will do my best to get to them. Thanks again for listening. My name is Andrew Laposha, and I will see you next time.